Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Science fiction is becoming quickly science fact, thanks to SpaceX. Find out about SpaceX's latest adventure, plus also see what the other secretive reusable rocket programs are up to. And we find out about a plan from Russia to help clean up space along with two very interesting and different solar systems. One that roams freely and the other that has three parents. A classic staple of science fiction is a rocket taking off from a launch pad and when it finishes its mission gracefully returning to Earth and landing smoothly and steadily back where it came from or on another planet. In fact, landing pads are pretty much a a pretty standard part of any scientific fiction. The reality is, though, we're not very good at uh, landing rockets. Now, we're very good at launching them. We've been launching them for almost 80 years now, and that goes quite well. Big fire explosion at the bottom drives a rocket up into space, but coming back has always been difficult. Generally, we've either relied on parachutes, or, in the case of the space shuttle, gliding safely back to Earth. But one man, with many ideas, was not going to be held back by our current conceptions of how we should undertake space travel, and reached out for the stars figuratively, literally, and also reached out for science or for science fiction to become science fact. And of course, I'm talking about Elon Musk and the SpaceX company. And the concept here has finally now actually come to fruition. So we'd have seen many instances over the years of the Falcon 9 rocket by SpaceX trying to land upright on a landing station. And they've had some success last year in December some of the uh, landings were stuck it managed to land but it damaged both the barge and itself on the way down but now finally in early April SpaceX has managed to land on its floating barge perfectly and just to come back a second here and why talk about why this is amazing they have landed what is effectively a 25 story tall rocket which is quite thin on a moving ship out in the ocean after previously launching it. Now, the reason why SpaceX is doing this is because, well, one way to think about it is that 90% of the weight is fuel on a rocket. And that makes sense because the rest of it is just the surrounding. But uh, it's that remaining 10% that costs nearly all of the money when constructing rockets and launching it into space. The fuel itself is actually kind of a, a, a minor cost. So that means if you're only using a rocket once, then that's really, really expensive and wasteful. So the idea of having a reusable rocket is great, but then you need to like land it somehow. Parachutes are okay, and we used to do that with some of the NASA space shuttle um, stages, but there's a limit to what you can do with that. And that's where SpaceX's idea is just to basically reuse the whole thing by launching the rocket, the Falcon 9 rocket, sending off the Dragon 9 capsule up in its way into space, and then letting the Falcon 9 return to its nest, which in this case just so happens to be a boat. And did I mention that all of these things, the boat, the rocket, they're all uncrewed. They're all robotic. So that requires not only fantastic engineering, but fantastic programming, and really true marvel of modern engineering. So the SpaceX mission was actually a mission for NASA. So they're contracting work for NASA. 
And what they were doing was actually launching and taking up on the Dragon automated robotic capsule supplies, food, and a whole new module for the International Space Station. Included in this is obviously some experiments, some animals such as mice, for a muscle study, some cabbage, some lettuce, and an exciting piece from from Bigelow Aerospace Industries called BEAM, or the Bigelow Expandable Activity Module. And basically, it's a blow-up room that attaches to the side of the space station and inflates. So rather than taking up a big bulky structure, which is obviously quite difficult to lift into orbit, they take a really quite small compact one. It's all soft and it folds up. When it reaches orbit, it expands out, giving the space station a whole lot of extra room. And this is the first one that Bigelow has actually sent up into space. And it, build, and it builds on ideas from the 1990s from NASA called TransHab, which they had the idea about inflatable parts of space stations or potentially other planetary bases, but they never really got past the concept stage. Bigelow Express bought the rights and the designs and actually made it a reality and have now actually got it up to the International Space Station, thanks to Dragon and Falcon 9. And it's the first soft-sided space structure meant for people. We've done it in the past with small expandable elements for satellites for other parts of space stations, but this will be the first time where people will be able to enter periodically during its two years deployed on the space station. And really, that trying to aim by 2020 to have there up there for commercial use, potentially also followed by moon bases and other habitats for Mars expeditions. NASA has already basically said that that's how they envisage the habitats to be used on Mars in the 2030s for their planned missions then. So that means that if at first you don't succeed, try and try again, and SpaceX has certainly lived up to that motto. Which means that uh, they now are one step closer to science fiction becoming science fact. Elon Musk isn't the only crazy entrepreneur with lots of money trying to effectively be Tony Stark and lead the charge of science fiction becoming science fact. Other very famous company founder and entrepreneur Jeff Bezos, the guy who made Amazon, also has his own space company to compete with SpaceX. And whereas SpaceX has its own TV channel, lots of social media, live video streams and big parties, Blue Origin, which is Bezos's firm, is much more secretive. They see everything that SpaceX does and says, okay, but, you know, we're going to work on our own privately. And when it works, we'll let you know. And they have. They've let us know now that their third launch and vertical landing of its reusable rocket called New Shepard just happened last week at the start of April. They call theirs uh, Blue Origin or BE3. And And it basically, it's going after a similar thing as the Falcon 9, except kind of a smaller payload. If you want to imagine, it looks just like a big cylinder with a couple of, with four legs sticking out the bottom. So Blue Origin launches uh, their B3 on, and they call it on a New Shepard rocket. And it's, the overall rocket itself can reach about 100 kilometers above the Earth, which is pretty much the boundary between Earth and space. And then when it gets about a kilometer above the Earth, its vertical rockets start firing. And so then it can land vertically. Now, they have to do that quite quickly because if they don't fire but and they don't work well when they're only one kilometre away from the Earth, they'll hit the ground in a big smash in about six seconds. 
but they've managed to do on their third mission a successful takeoff and landing. And that's quite impressive because as much as we know about their secret programs, it's good news for overall for the space industry. NASA is doing less and less missions and private companies are now stepping in to fill that gap for both scientific purposes, but also commercial purposes. And once we start figuring a way to get up into space cheaply, quickly and efficiently, that really opens the door for everybody else to go up there. And brings us one step closer to science fiction becoming a reality. So just because you don't hear about Blue Origin's work doesn't mean it's not happening there secretly. So SpaceX isn't the only game in town, so keep an eye on the skies. Now, as Falcon 9 and New Shepard launch more and more objects up into our atmosphere and space becomes more and more busy, we start to have to worry about a big problem in space, and that is cleaning up our mess. We've been filling space with junk for many, many years now, and it can cause a lot of problems. If you've seen gravity, you would sort of understand about how small pieces of debris can cause havoc for satellites. And decommissioned satellites can take decades to descend from about six to 800 kilometers up in the orbit of the Earth, down to the atmosphere where they burn up and basically take themselves out of the equation. But some researchers from the Moscow State University, particularly their mechanical engineering department, have kickstarted a project called MAYAC, or Beacon. And the idea is basically to have a satellite function as an artificial star with a reflective sheet of metal on it. And the whole idea is to try and clean up our orbits for our other satellites and keep them safe. So basically, it sort of gets up into space and deploys this rather large, flattered out area of solar reflector shield shaped like a pyramid. And the pyramid itself is made of an air-thin film which is about 20 times thinner than human hair. And this big parachute-like structure is designed to aerobreak and destabilize debris orbiting the Earth and bring it down so it can burn up in atmosphere safely. Now the idea, the whole idea here is to basically show that if you put this system on a satellite then you could get it to lower itself back down into orbit and safely dispose itself by breaking it up in the Earth's atmosphere without having to waste fuel. It's basically you just deploy a big brake, a big parachute and it takes care of that for you. Which is a very clever solution to make sure that space t tidies up after itself. It doesn't just keep creating more and more mess up there that will cause us problems later on. We like to think of planets with terms of reference to our own solar system. We'll describe things as like a mega Earth or a giant Jupiter or a tiny Jupiter or a hot Jupiter or things like that because that's the references that we have to help understand it. But these are all planets, at least in our solar system, that orbit a central star, the Sun in our case, or Sol. Researchers from Carnegie University and the University of Western Ontario have discovered one of the youngest and brightest free-floating planet-like objects which is actually relatively close to the sun. 
and let's just take a back to say that, you know, all our planets that we see in our solar system all orbit around the sun. But these researchers have found a young planet, only about 10 million years old, which is pretty young on the galactic timescale. And it's about four to eight times the mass of Jupiter. It's not quite a planet and not quite a star. Somewhere in the middle between being a large planet and a small brown dwarf star. But using NASA's Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer, or WISE, a couple of other telescopes, they found this object, which they call 2MASS J11191137. And the reason why they found it is it's got a really unusual sort of blinking or light pattern. And what's so unusual about this is that it's only 95 light years away. And it's not orbiting any stars. It is single. It is free. It is on the market. It is not tied down to any one solar system. It roams into galactic space all on its own. And that is quite unusual. But it's not completely on its own. It's kind of hanging out in this rough, amorphous, large grouping of 10 million-year-old stars, all just making their own way through space, called the TW Hydrae Association. It's a pretty interesting name, but... Basically, this cluster of objects is just floating through space. No real solar system to speak of. And this planet is part of that cluster, but is not attached to any particular star. So it kind of changes how you think about planets and stars themselves. from one planet with no star to another with three. Now, binary stars are pretty interesting. And actually, they're relatively common. That's when you've got two stars orbiting each other. If you've seen Star Wars A New Hope, you'll see that Tatooine has itself a binary star system. But a trinary star system is even more exciting. It's three times as exciting as our solar system. And researchers from the Harvard and Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics have announced that they found a triple star system and it has one with a stable planet in orbit around it. So if you think about a planet making a circle around a star, when you flow in two stars, when that circle becomes a really weird shape, and three, it's very, very bizarre indeed. But this planet in the new system called KELT-4AB is about the size of Jupiter. It's a gas giant. And it basically, it orbits the, th the three KELT stars. KELT-A, KELT-B, and KELT-C. Now, Kelta is pretty close to it, so it takes about three days to orbit that, compared to our one year. But Kelt B and C, it takes probably 30 years to orbit. If you wanted to, say, imagine what it would look like from its surface of Kelt 4AB, the gas giant, to see all the stars in the sky, you'd see Kelt A, very bright and close, about 40 times as big as our sun. And then the other two stars, Kelt B and C, shining no brighter than about our moon. Now, this is really fascinating because you could go from a planet which is orbiting no stars to a planet orbiting lots of stars. This goes to show that our solar system is not so typical after all. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. Reusable rockets are no longer science fiction. Plus, we find out about stars and planets that just roam the space freely and a planet with three star parents.
Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.